I want you to open to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I did put the notes in, uh, in the Bible app. You can go, if you open the Bible app, you can go to more and then events, and I've got the notes there. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Reading out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read just uh, five verses here. It says this, I don't mean to say I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which, which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word today. Lord, I, I just present this message to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you have done incredible things over this last year. And I pray, mighty God, that as we move forward into the new, that you would give us vision for what you desire to do. Lord, we pray for it as a church. We pray for it as individuals. Mighty God, that you would allow us the great privilege of walking in the fullness of what you have put upon our lives. So, Lord, I present this message to you. I ask you to speak to our hearts and change our lives in in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> A couple weeks ago, uh, Dr. Morocco shared what he calls the state of the church address. Now, for those who may not know you, I know we've had a number of first-time guests. Dr. Morocco is our global senior pastor. He started the first King's Church 40, almost 42 years ago now. In a couple of months, it'll be 42 years. And you know, since the time that he began that church, the Lord has multiplied that church. My wife grew up in that church. She was actually a part of the very first King's Extension that ever existed on the little island of Molokai. And, uh, you know, Dr. Morocco himself started that church, handed it off to another pastor. And it began this whole chain of events where pastors began to rise up, and I've got a heart for Lanai. And so he'd send a pastor to Lanai, and I've got a heart for another city. And so he started a church in Lahaina. I've got a heart for another. And now we've got many churches. I'm going to share some of those numbers with you this morning. But every year, Dr. Morocco comes, and he gives an update. The same way the president gives the, the State of the Union address, the, the way that a, a mayor will give the, the state, or a, a governor rather, will give the state of the state address. He gives what he calls the state of the church address. And uh, I know a lot of you guys had the opportunity, I'm actually just curious, how many of you have heard Dr. Morocco's state of the church address? Okay, 
Not even a quarter of us. That's okay. I'm going to share with you some of the things that he shared. In fact, as I was listening to his State of the Church address, not only was I hugely encouraged by hearing what God has done in our church around the world, and I'm going to share those numbers with you, but as I was listening to the message that God put upon his heart, um, I'm just, if you guys heard the message, I mean, you know, that was like, I mean, you talk about being served meat in a message. I mean, that was like like three servings of a steak. I, I just couldn't even believe there was so much content in the one message. And I'm like, I need to turn this into a series. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take and dissect and, uh, and really amplify. I'm sure he's going to do the same thing, but uh, I'm stealing his idea. And, uh, you know, that's a good idea. You want to know why? We believe in this church in a concept called the canopy of anointing. Everybody say the canopy of anointing. You know what that means? When you come under the covering of an anointing, we believe that that very same anointing will flow down in and through the lives of of the people that that you come under. For for example, um, so much of what I walk in today... Um, I have prayed and I have contended to grow in the gifts of God, but you understand so much of what I walk in today is because I was willing to submit to men and women of God who operated in the anointing. I, I, in a sense, I stand on their shoulders, but in the biblical sense, I've come under the canopy of the anointing. You want to grow in the anointing. Listen, don't ever be a lone wolf. You can blaze a trail on your own. But God's order of thing is that you come under biblical anointings and that anointing begins to flow down over your life. You just, right, look at Moses. And and Moses imparted an anointing into a number of elders and eventually Joshua who began to lead the children of Israel. And you'd watch in moments that what God did in Moses began to flow down through all of the children of Israel. Here in this, we just, in the offering message I just shared, you saw there was an anointing that was released upon Barnabas who was an apostle. And that began to flow down. And everybody in the church was walking in the blessing of what Barnabas, the son of encouragement, initiated. Are you guys trekking with me so far? So, when Dr. Morocco comes and says, God has given me a word for our church, there are things that you and I now have the privilege of grabbing hold of. If God is doing this in our church, I'm grabbing hold of this. Does that make sense? So this is why it's important. So uh, I'm going to share with you what the word for this year is. Uh, coming from our senior pastor, God's, God's got a specific vision for Kona, but it's important for us to understand what God is doing in our church around the world. So let me just share with you an update and some of the things that God has done. Um, I actually put this in the, in the Bible app if you, if you don't catch all the numbers that I'm about to share. But can I just update you on... Some of the growth that we've seen over this last year in particular. I think this will encourage you. Um, last year, we were contending for God's fulfillment. 
And even though in 2020 there was a lot of difficulty, especially with our international churches, a lot of our churches closed and, um, you know, illegal to open. Some of our churches have gone underground. They're meeting in homes and whatnot. But in 2021, we began to see a tide turn. Our church grew in the number of extensions to 460 churches around the world. We have 307 internationally in 18 different nations, and we have 153 churches in the United States in 21 different states across the nation. That's amazing. We're believing for 1,200 churches by 2025. You just think, 1,200, everybody say 1,200. If you're not praying every day for 1,200 churches, start praying for 1,200 churches. Now you think, we're, we're at four, what did I say, 460 right now. So if every church starts one church, we'll almost reach that goal. This is by 2025. So we got a couple years to, to fulfill this vision, and, uh, and a few other churches need to start more than two. But that's possible. In fact, uh, if you look at our church, let me just tell you what's happened with our church. We began in 2020 as a Bible study in January. We were meeting right down the street at the uh, uh, Sweet Possibilities. I, I know that this was an office complex, and, um, and we were seeking to acquire this property. And so we began renovations. We got it the summer of 2020. We began Sunday meetings in the upper room, which is where we do overflow now, our Marshallese service, a number of things meet up there. And we began that in September, and then we completed this room, in December of 2020, so just a little over a, a year and a month ago, right, is when we moved into this space. And I'll never forget that first service. See, I had gotten excited because uh, one of the last weeks, about the last month that we were in the upper room, uh, we made friends with some guys from YWAM Ships. Nobody from the upper campus was coming yet, but we had a few guys that were coming from YWAM ships. And we could only fit about, you know, 60, you know, 80 if we were like slam-packed full in that upper room. And I remember a couple mornings we had services that were that full. Some of you guys were in that. But I remember coming in December, I've learned, don't start stuff in December. It's not a good time to start. We launched our service down here like the week that everybody in YWAM went home for a summer break or for a Christmas break. And so our first Sunday down here in this room, we had like 30 people show up on Sunday morning. Praise God. And so we're like, we're in this big room now, you know, and this isn't a huge room. Now it feels tiny. But uh, that first Sunday, we had, you know, less than, you know, half of this section here uh, for the entire church. We had uh, half a dozen children or so. And our weekly average in January a year ago was just under 100 people. That's including our youth service. That's including our midweek service. Uh, and that was all day Sunday. In January last year, we were floating right around 100. I did the average, uh, I did a, an average for our attendance just in September through December of this year. And this is not like special services. This isn't including like, you know, Christmas Eve and some. I'm just talking about on our, on our regular, uh, regular services, just in our English congregation. Did you know that our average attendance for the last quarter was 519? 519 right here in Kona. A year ago, 
we were one church in two locations on the big island. We were in Kona and we were in Honoka'a. But you remember, I tell you, we need to pray for 1,200 and some churches need to start more than one church. Well, we've actually done that in this last year. In January is when we began our Russian service. They began meeting Sunday mornings in January. Our Marshallese began Sunday meetings in the same month. In September, we started a Filipino congregation, which, by the way, for those who don't know, these aren't just like, you know, it's not like a Filipino group who's come to us and said, hey, can we rent your building? No. These are people who are committed to this church, who are members of this church, who have a heart for their people group and say, we'd like to start an ethnic ministry in the language of our people. So they start a king's congregation, and we've done that now with Russian, we've now done that with Marshallese, and we've done that with Filipino. So it's amazing. In the same month, September of this last year, we began an English service in Hilo. If you add our English service and Honoka'a, that means that what was two congregations worshiping a year ago is now six congregations that meet in different locations and times right here on the Big Island. Does that encourage you? Oh, I'm getting fired up. This is what the Lord has done just in this last year. Um, between all of our six congregations meeting in those three locations, we minister to just over a thousand people on a weekly basis. Guys, a year ago, think about this for a moment. A year ago, our entire island combined would be a hundred on a weekend. Today, it's over a thousand between all of our congregations just on the big island. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, Kings Worldwide was ministering to approximate, is approximately 45,000 around the world. Um, and we're praying. Does anybody know what we're praying for by 2025? 120,000. So again, we're, we're believing a little more than double in our extensions, and we're believing a little more than double in our attendance as well. So that's what we call the 12-120 vision. We're praying 1,200 churches ministering to 120,000 people. Right now we're at 45,000. How many of you believe the Lord can multiply? Yes. Hallelujah. So, uh, well, I know. You know, so this is funny, man. And I actually told... I told Dr. Morocco and Pastor Josh, when Lauren Cunningham was with us a couple months ago, he heard the 12-120 vision, and he says, that's too small. He's like, you need to, you need to tell Dr. Morocco he needs a bigger vision. And so, uh, you know, Lauren Cunningham is one of the few people on the planet who probably has the right to tell Dr. Morocco, dream bigger. But... Uh, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, though, um, this, is, this is where I want us to pray about this, okay? When I hear numbers like that 120,000 or I hear that there's 1,200 churches, you know what my response is? What's my part in that? Lord, what part is Kona going to? How many of those extensions are we going to be responsible to start? Uh, how many of those 120,000 souls that are being impacted, how many of those are souls right here in Kona. That's, that's what I want you to begin to ask because it's, it's one thing to pray for the 12-120 vision, but it's a whole other thing when we say, you know what, I want to start life groups and I want to reach a hundred of those 120,000 souls myself. I would love it if some of you guys would take it upon yourself to say, I'm going I'm to reach a hundred souls myself. 
Come on, Jesus. So um, we grew. We grew in finances as well. As, a cha- uh, as challenging as 2020 was, did you know that 2020 and 2021 were the strongest financial years in the history of kings? It was an absolute miracle. Uh, God encouraged, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Morocco encouraged the people to begin to pray for $2 million a month to come into kings around the world. And just in the U.S., we closed 2021 just having a little over $25 million coming into the house towards the work of God. Absolutely amazing. Some of that, you don't want to know a Barnabas moment? A Barnabas moment, there was an individual in the church on Maui, had a house they weren't living in. They sold the house and they gave the proceeds of that house to kings. $1.2 million. It was the largest single offering that's ever come into the house of God. And you know what's amazing? I say it's a Barnabas moment because others have begun uh, following suit. Of course, there's people who tithe on on the uh, the sale of a house. But what's amazing was Amazon, Amazon matched that offering. They gave $1.2 million to uh, what's called Family Life Center. Uh, It's a ministry that ministers on Maui uh, under Kings. Uh, It's a ministry that ministers to homeless women and children. They provide housing and meals. Amazon, secular Amazon, gave $1.2 million to Kings. Isn't that amazing? And so, praise God, we got people that blaze the trail and... And then others, other gifts come in just like that. It's incredible. So you can see um, Kings Kona. We, in 2020, our church gave uh, a little more than $40,000. But in 2021, our church gave just under $400,000. That's amazing, you guys. $400,000. In fact, uh, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So even with all the construction and all the remodeling, you understand, like we finished this in December, all of those bills start coming in in January. So a lot of our construction expenses actually hit this calendar year. But God in his mercy has allowed us to close the year, not in the negative, but in the positive. We're in the black this year. It's amazing. It's amazing. So you can see God has tremendously grown the church. You can look at what God's done just here in Kona. We've seen giving multiply 10 times. We've seen our attendance multiply five times. We've seen the multiplying of extensions over and over and over. And we could have the mentality. I don't know if you guys ever feel like this, but I'm just going to sit back and relax. I'm just going to, you know what, we have become one of the strong churches on our entire island. we become one of the strongest churches in, in all of Kings. And let's just, let's just take a moment to bask in the glory. That's not what we're going to do. You want to know why? Did I hear someone say stupid? Uh, it is stupid. That is a stupid attitude. I don't know if somebody actually said that, but, but we're not going to do that. What we're going to look, I want you to look at the words of Paul. This is the verse that we began with right here. He says, I have not already achieved. I have not already attained, but I 
press on to possess the perfection with which Christ first possessed me. I'm going to talk about that. No, dear brothers, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now, the word of the year. This is, this is an anointing that you and I have the opportunity to step into. The word of the year in Greek is dioko. Everybody say dioko. So Greek word is powerful. It means to pursue. It means make every effort. Three different times in the New Testament it's used to describe a, a runner in a race. Like, man, I'm, I'm going to push and... Uh, do we have any runners? Do we have any racers? I mean, it's, you, you come towards the end of that thing, and it's like that final stretch, man, it's like this where you just you give it all. Like the hardest race I ever ran was the 400 meter. I could do the sprint all out. I could do the, the, the 400. But, man, when you get into some of these where it's multiple laps around the track, you, you got to, like, pace yourself, right? You're not going to just all-out sprint the whole thing, but when it comes to the end and you see that finish line, boy, you give it all you've got. That's the moment that Paul is talking about right here. It's that moment where you push, where you run, and you finish that race strong. It's translated here. We read it twice just in this passage in Philippians. Press on. This is the word of the year. Everybody say, press on. This was the secret to Paul's life. As a runner, you all understand. In fact, I already gave a running illustration, so let me just use maybe a football illustration. I, I'm not a huge football guy. I blame Dallas for ruining my football love. Um, there's like perpetual disappointment when it comes with the Dallas Cowboys. They were awesome in the 90s. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But now it's like, you know, you can walk in the first quarter, the first two quarters, the first three quarters, and you're like, this is awesome. This is amazing. But the Cowboys have a way of blowing it in the fourth quarter every time. Now, this is true. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, this is just, this is true. I don't know if the team that you care about is ever like that, but, uh, you know, you, you still, you still love your team and you pray for your team, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, but they blow it. Here's, here's the point. You can do great in the first half of the game. But if you don't finish strong, who cares? I mean, it's just, you, you've blown it, man. You can look at ministries. They run out of gas. You can look at people. They blow it in the end. And it's like all the good that was done. You may remember that for a time. But if we don't finish strong, boy, we've missed something major that God has. And this is what I want to encourage us in. We're going to grab hold of this word, press on. I look back on this last year, and I am, I am sobered. I am humbled. I was talking to my wife about it this last week. We were sitting out at Coconut Grove, and it's a special place for us because when we would fly over when we were starting our Bible studies, we would have our Bible study. We'd wrap up the Bible study. We had 20, 30 people. Some of you guys were a part of that, you know, Donovan and his family, Jonathan and his family. They were a part of that first Bible study we had. And, uh, and so we'd come, and we'd have this, you know, great time, and we'd finish up. And, and afterwards, we'd always want to go out to eat, and, and there weren't many places open. So we'd go sit out at Coconut Grove. 
We'd watch people playing volleyball and just uh, found some good chicken wings out there. And, man, it was just good, and we enjoyed it. And so when today when we go over there, I'm instantly reminded of why we had a heart for Kona in the first place. I'm reminded of the, of the moments where God first began to speak to us about what he could do in this community. And it was a wonderful moment. I mean, we've had a lot of, you know, we're, as we're going through permits and inspections and all of this, I mean, there's stressful and tiring moments that we're going through. But as I sit there, I'm reminded of, God, what you've done. And I asked my wife, I'm like, Leah, what did you think that God was going to do in our first year in Kona? I thought maybe he would grow our congregation to about 100 there's no way in my imagination that I, could, that I could believe that our church would grow over 500 just in this period of time and rapidly increasing still. I sit there and I'm like, God, this is, this is wild beyond my imagination. This, this, every expectation, even my faith, was nowhere near what you have done in this last year. It's absolutely mind-boggling. And if we're not careful, we could take this posture of like, wow, this has been wonderful. Let's just enjoy it right now. I think one of the things that we need to be mindful of is God desires to do more. He desires to do, the Bible says, exceedingly and abundantly all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. This is already more than I can imagine, but guys, as I begin to think like, God, if you've already done this, what's going to happen when we open this new worship space? God, if we've seen this growth just in the last year, multiplication upon multiplication, what are you going to do in this next year? I'm telling you, if we can keep the heart and press on... I'm going to stand here at the beginning of 2023 and talk about how God multiplied and he multiplied and he multiplied... I believe he can do it again. This was a secret to Paul's life. God has more than what we're currently living in and walking in. The question is, are we going to press on? Paul said, I forget what is behind and I press on to what is ahead. I forget what's behind. Everybody say forget. forget. And I press on. Now, this is what we need to do. I'm encouraging us. As a, as a church body, we need to do this. And we as individuals, I, I, if you haven't laid out personal goals for yourself, you ought to do that. You ought to have personal goals for your family and for your business and for your own finances and for you know, your children and, and on and on. Encourage goals. Press on towards what God has. Now, I don't know. Uh, how, can I do a, a quick poll? You don't have to give me details. How many of you, if you were to summarize 2021, you would say, that was a good year? Okay, that's awesome. How many of you say, that was a rough year? <laughs> okay, it's about 50-50. That's fair. I actually thought there would be more on the, on the rough year side. Listen, whether you had a great year, whether you had a rough year, Forget what's behind and press on to what God has before. Now, now listen, I, I'm not saying that we don't recognize. I mean, I shared testimony about what God has done, and God's okay. He was always telling people, put up a memorial stone over here. Do this in remembrance of me, right? We did that this morning. It's okay to remember and give glory for what God has done, but we don't live there. 
Are you hearing me? You can remember what God has done, but you don't live there. You, 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 there's people today, I've only got two points for you, and this is, this is the main one here. There's people that are living in the glory of yesterday. The glory of yesterday. Well, you should have seen my business back then. We were really blowing and going. Oh, oh you should have seen my wife when we were first married. Oh, man, it was a... Um, now, my wife gets better and better. That's, that's your story. That's not my story. Boy, when we were newlyweds, we sure enjoyed our marriage. Uh, you know, I hear, I hear people talk about revival just isn't the same as what it used to be. Oh, the revivals of the 90s, those were the real moves of God. Now, listen, I recognize and I appreciate what the Lord has done yesterday, but I'm not living there. What I want to seek is I'm pressing on to what God is doing today. I'm thankful for the revivals of yesterday, but God is pouring out his spirit today, right now, and I want to be a part of it. I'll tell you, there's people that they look back, and boy, my kids used to be so cute, and now they're big, and they're smelly, and I just, you know, I don't, you know, you, know, you can thank God for what they were, but there's something today. They're amazing right now. God has something for your marriage today. He has something for our church today. We're going to remember, but we're not going to live in the glory of yesterday. We're going to press on to what God has for us today. What lays ahead of us right now? That's what we're going to press on to. Everybody say, press on. I'm a sucker for a good testimony. It'll inspire faith, but we need to be a people that press on. Because God's got testimonies for you tomorrow. You know, I get concerned when I ask people, you know, tell me what God's doing. And all they have are stories of when they first got saved. I mean, I, I, I want to hear how you got saved. I want to hear what the Lord. But if you don't got some stories about what God did last year, if you don't have some stories about what God's speaking to you right now, that's concerning to me, friend. That's concerning. I mean, that's why, I, you know, I, I love to get around you. Go, go hang around Christine for a little while. I'm just telling you, this lady, she's got a testimony about this morning. I bet you money. She's got, I mean, she's always got a testimony of what God's speaking, what God's doing. I mean, you just talk to people. There's, you know, Michael Kitchen back here is another one of them. You just, there's people that you know. Ricky, I mean, I could point them out. There's people that could always bring you testimony. This is what God did today. This is what God's doing right now. I like to be around people like that. I like to be around people like that. I'm all about what God did in the 90s, but if that's all the stories you can tell, that wears on me, friend. All right, I need to move on before I hurt someone's feelings. So there are people that live in the glory of yesterday, but there's also people who live in the pain of yesterday. Everybody say the pain of yesterday. My family was horrible. My church was abusive. My marriage, my business, I got sick and I'm, I'm upset with God. Maybe we even had a personal failure at some point in time. I fell into sin. I, I, I backslid. I made a, a horrible choice in this time. And we live in the regret of what we have done to ourselves. We're living in the pain of yesterday. Listen, friend. 
It's the same line of thinking. It's okay. It's important that we acknowledge where we failed. It's important to acknowledge the pain of yesterday. Because if we don't ever shine a light on it, we're never going to be healed. If we don't ever acknowledge it, if we don't ever repent where we need to repent, if we don't ever seek healing in the areas that we've been wounded, then we're going to live in that place for the rest of our lives. And it'll hold us captive to what God desires us to press on to. But if we acknowledge it, then we're, we're getting healed and we're getting restored. We pick ourselves up and we press on. That's where we need to be. And, and I'll just, as I kind of draw this message to a close, I really just want to share a story. If you're ever feeling sorry for yourself over the pain that you've endured, just hang out with the Apostle Paul for a little bit. Just hang out with, with some of the apostles. I, I was reading this story the last, this last week in Acts chapter 14. One of the most incredible stories that, 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 that you'll read in the Bible. Paul and Paul was, was in an area in Barnabas, who I talked about earlier. They're in a church meeting. Paul is preaching. And there was a man who was crippled, the Bible says. And as they're standing there, Paul says there was a moment of faith. He perceived that this man had faith to be healed. Some of you know the story. He looks at the man and he says, stand up. And in that instant, the man was healed supernaturally. Stood to his feet, began praising God. It was an amazing miracle. But something happened. The people of that region, Lystra and Derby, they began to think, man, that was a miracle. These must be gods. They had a massive temple that was built to Zeus right there in that city. And so they said, Zeus and, and Hermes have come down to us in human form. Let's go offer sacrifices to them. So they do. They gather at the temple and they begin to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas, thinking that their gods come down in the flesh. Paul and Barnabas go out there and they're like, no, we're not gods. We're just normal people. We serve Jesus. He's the one who did this miracle. I'm not Zeus or Hermes and, and try and shut down the whole thing. As they're in the process of stopping this, some religious folk come along. These guys grab Paul. They drag him outside of the city and they begin to stone him. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a stoning before. My spiritual father, Steve Hill, used to send me these kinds of videos. Persecution of Christians in other nations. Horrible. He'd send me beheading videos and all of this. He just wanted me to be aware of what was going on in the church around the world. I've seen stonings before. They're not little pebbles that they're chucking at people. They take boulders and they throw it. Boulders strong enough. Bones are breaking. Skulls are crushed. This is what they did to Paul. They drag him outside of the city. They take boulders and they stone him to death. The Bible says that, that the disciples, after the crowds had dissipated, the disciples came, they gathered around the apostle, and they began to pray. And God, in his mercy, raised up the apostle Paul. Do you know what this madman did? He goes back into the same city. He goes back into the same city. And the Bible says that he began to encourage 
the disciples. He went to one city, and then the Bible says he went right back to Lystra the next day. Two days after he's been stoned to death, he is there, and he's encouraging the church. And this is his message. He, he, he encourages them. Now, just picture this for a moment. What does a man look like after he's been stoned to death? I imagine he's black and blue. He's sitting in this meeting. Maybe it was a meeting about this size. He's looking through swollen red eyes, and his message is this. Press on. Keep the faith. Set your eyes on the kingdom of God. That's exactly what he says. We must through many persecutions and hardships enter the kingdom of God. If we're going to see the kingdom of God established on the earth, it's not always going to be easy. And then he says this. This is true. This is in Acts 14. He says in verse 23, who would like to join our leadership team? I'm not kidding. Read it. The Bible says immediately after encouraging the disciples, he asked who would be willing to be appointed as elders and leaders in the church. How many of you ready to sign up for that? You know what Paul was doing? Here's a man, Minister Ryland, would you just come? I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. In fact, worship team, worship team, would you, would you guys all come? The Apostle Paul is living out what I was speaking about today. He did not stay in the pain and the wounds of yesterday. But he was willing to press on to what the Lord had ahead of him. This gospel, or this, this book of Philippians, you understand, Paul's writing this in prison. And if there was ever a guy who had accomplished a lot, and man, maybe it's just time to retire, Paul would have been qualified to do that, but he didn't. He says, I've got a race that's been set before me, and I'm going to finish this thing strong. There is more the Lord desires to do in me and through me. And so he pressed on. There were moments like this all throughout Paul's life in ministry where he was shipwrecked. He was stoned, he was beaten, he was imprisoned. And always, he said, I forget what's behind and I press on to what's ahead. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship the Lord for a moment. But I'm going to pray. I don't know if you had the best year of your life or the worst year of your life. But what we're going to do, we're going to acknowledge what's gone on, but we're going to forget it. And we're going to press on to what the Lord has for us. Amen? Amen. Can we stand all across this room right now?